read or heard or preached the scripture this week, now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Soft Idolatry. Carissa, what is your sermon title for Sunday? I do not actually have a sermon title for Sunday. Um, big shocker you're, you're, there. You're going into the pulpit naked? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> without, well, <laughs> yeah without a title, without, without the armor? Without a title. Um, yeah, and I'm actually not preaching in the morning uh, this week. I'll be preaching in the evening at an ecumenical community prayer service. My student's going to preach in the morning, and I'm going to preach in the evening. Mm, um, okay. So, uh, do you have a sermon title? I do have a sermon title. The sermon title is Shoots and Branches. Oh, not Eats, Shoots, and Leaves? <laughs> Boy, I wish I would have thought of that, though I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's not a... It's not I mean, a peace sermon. I, I mean, we are entering into a gun violence prevention week. No, no, no. It's not a terrible title. If I wanted the cynical sermon title, you know, about people getting communion and, and whatnot uh, and not participating or becoming members and not participating, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves would certainly be a workable title. That is really cynical. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, this being Peace Sunday, I, I want to. Uh, I don't want to indulge the cynicism. I want uh, I want my congregation to actively be looking for peace. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we talked a little bit last week about how most traditions that celebrate Advent generally go by four focuses on each Sunday of Advent, and those are hope, peace, joy, and love. Not always in that order, but usually in that order. For foci. Correct. For foci. Uh, I like to do things like say focuses just to annoy you. Well, it, but focuses is a verb. As in the cameraman focuses the lens. Are you, are you telling me you're annoyed by my usage of that word? <laughs> Mission I'm, accomplished. I'm just pointing out the uh, grammatical inconsistency. <laughs> As uh, you are wont to, to do. do. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so this is Peace Sunday in Advent. If you uh, if you follow that that selection of foci, and what's up in the world uh, as we talk about peace, where might we see application for this topic in the world around us, or lack thereof? Oh, there there is a lack of peace in so many places, and we sort of have cottage industries that encourage that feeling of anxiety that comes when there isn't peace. Our news media encourage anxiety because that keeps us tuned in to find out what the latest danger is or threat or outrage or what have you. Our commercial culture stokes our anxieties because they promise an easy answer. If you want peace, buy, buy, buy. Yeah. There, well, there's a lot. You know, not just consumerism is driven by fear, but politics are driven by fear. True. But the consumerism is rampant and fully on display in these weeks prior to Christmas. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just as next year, as the presidential election really heats up, we're going to see the, the po- politics driven by fear uh, yes. starting to heat up then. But yeah, this time of year, especially the con- the consumerism is a problem. Does your congregation do anything to kind of come up against that consumerism that steals our peace this time of year? Uh, no. How about yours? They do. And this is something that they they were doing before I came and have continued doing. And I think it's fantastic. Um, and actually, one of my congregations was doing this. And then this year, they both decided to participate together. And uh, it's an Advent Conspiracy Project. Have you heard of the Advent Conspiracy? I have not. Please tell me more. Advent Conspiracy is great. Um, you can look up their website. I think it's just adventconspiracy.org. We'll have Gloria check that and put it up in the show notes for us. And um, they talk about worship more, shop less. Uh-oh, there's four, four foci for Advent. Um, and it's about taking um, away the consumerism and really thinking about what Advent is about, right? If we want to put the Christ back in Christmas, let's take the shopping out of it. Um, and so, you know, we all have more than we need, more stuff. And so instead of buying gifts for people, how can we give back into the world and into the community? Mm. So each year, uh, my congregation has been doing an Advent Conspiracy Project, which is where they choose a local or usually a local organization to support although last year they supported presbyterian disaster assistance and instead of buying gifts for people they donate goods or finances to this particular organization and then they can give their loved ones a card or a note or an ornament or something that says i made this Hmm. donation in your honor it it sounds like this could be something that my congregation did at one point and abandoned many years ago, or it could be oh. they've never heard of it. You just never know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Advent Conspiracy is not necessarily a Presbyterian thing. No, no. I, it, it does sound like something I've heard, but never actually practiced. So, um, yeah, that I, I, I will have to investigate going into next year. Yeah, it's it's totally worth looking into. And that's something that everyone can do at some level instead of getting into this list of making sure you've got something for everybody instead think about charities or organizations that are near and dear to them we have family who we make donations to animal rescues in their honor we have other folks who we donate to homeless shelters or projects like heifer those sorts of things okay yeah those those are all Wonderful applications, and I remember uh, a few years back uh, when we were in seminary, there was a relief project for an anticipated famine in Malawi, yeah. whereby somebody somebody made a bunch of Christmas ornaments, and you got one for donating twenty five bucks or fifty bucks, something like that, and each ornament represented something like a sack of maize which was like a month's worth of corn for a single person. And right. that, 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 was, that was a tangible way to uh, release the, not release, but to um, mitigate the hunger that was anticipated. And uh, it, was, it was effective in the areas where the, uh, where the maize was distributed. Yeah, I remember that. That was a really great project and what a way not only to 
seek peace and justice at this time when when we are focused on the peace and justice that Jesus brings, but also to connect to sisters and brothers around the world where it you know in a concrete way right it it was uh it was a very uh effective project and i i know that uh i that that was my christmas shopping that year yeah yeah i i think that was ours as well yeah well let's let's dive into our texts the the first lectionary text that you and i are both using is isaiah 11 1 through 10 Shall I read that? Please do. All right. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious." This sounds so familiar. Yeah, it, it's a peaceable kingdom all over again. What Couldn't Isaiah remember what he said uh, several chapters before? He does definitely have a theme that he, he is uh, going he, with here. He does. And, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of discussing 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, and 3rd Isaiah for our listeners this week. But maybe it's repeated a lot because we have lots of things that, well, distract us from peace. Like what? Oh, I don't know. Anxiety, fear, greed, hunger, (laughs) conflict. Selfishness. (laughs) Selfishness, exactly. Yeah. So um, this is one of those constant reminders that we need that God... uh, God wants us to be at peace. We are to be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. And um, God's delight is in our peace, Uh, not our coexistence, but our actual active reconciled peace with one another. So does that that piece and i know i know your answer to this but i'm setting setting you up on purpose here um oh good i won't miss it then no does that piece literally mean that one day we're going to be living in a field with little babies playing with snakes and <laughs> wolves and and calves lying down together or i guess lions and and calves 
Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> th this is metaphor. Uh, I, I think that we should not take this as a biology text that God will transform the digestive systems of carnivores so that they can eat straw. Um, people, leading citizens, uh, men of power and wealth, might have been referred to as the Lion of Jerusalem or the Lion of Dan or, or some other ancient site. A lion is a dude with a lot of power. And this is saying that the powerful will not um, exercise their power over the powerless for their own gain. They will be as equals before God, and they will love one another. Because quite frankly, if, uh, if in our relationship, I am the one who has power, you and I can't be reconciled if I am trying to wield that power over you. We have to meet as equals to be reconciled. Right, right. Um, yeah, and this is, you know, this is a great example of how Scripture is not meant to be a how text <laughs> or a science book or anything like that. It is meant to be a why. Right. And what is fundamentally different about our God from all of the ancient gods of the Near East is that we are in relationship with our God. It is not transactional, it is relational. Uh, we are not offering sacrifices to appease our God. We are working to maintain a righteous relationship with our God. And that righteous relationship includes reconciliation to one another. And uh, this, this is a metaphor for that relationship among the people of the earth. Right, right. So Alan, you are, along with this Isaiah text, using the text from Romans, if I remember correctly. I am not using that. I'm using the text from Matthew. Would you like to read that Romans text? Sure. The, uh, the reading is Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name, and again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. 
And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the connections between this and the Isaiah passage are quite overt in some places mm-hmm. uh, where where the author directly quotes Isaiah. But um, how how exactly are you connecting these two passages together? Well, it's it's important to remember that this is written, you know, a generation or so after the crucifixion but before any of the Gospels have been written down. And this is Paul trying to make connections, uh, connections between Jews and Gentiles in these early Christian worshiping communities, Mm -hmm. and connections that say, yeah, the God of Abraham and Jacob is God for everyone. that that this isn't exclusive. And frankly, when you go back through the Hebrew scriptures, there are lots and lots of passages that speak against exclusivity, including some of this stuff from Isaiah, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. Um, this, This is the message of bringing new people into the faith and that God wants to expand this relationship to all peoples. Yeah, it's it's not just about bringing people into the faith who look like us. It's about bringing all different kinds of people into the faith and not trying to transform the people around us to fit into our mold, but I, I would I would say to fit into our religious behavior. Right. But to be transformed through the relationship. Oh, yeah. To, we, we have to let Jesus do the transforming through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not, the, we are not transformers more than meets the eye. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what, 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 is, what is more than meets the eye is the things unseen, uh, the action of well the Holy played. Spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, that's, um, that, that's, that's also uh, from the Isaiah that's judging not by... Uh, he shall judge not by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. Uh, that, that's, that's the more than meets the eye part. But if the transformation is just, um, yeah, you, you grown men, go get circumcised. Yeah, all you people, keep kosher. Uh, that's not really a transformation. That's a change in behavior. And that's akin to... Uh, a bunch of us people over the age of 40, uh, partic- not just the boomers, but including the boomers, saying to people below the age of, say, 35, you need to worship like us. You need to come to church and be like us rather than us going out there and ministering to them. Hear, hear. <laughs> yeah. That dumb jingle is going to be stuck in my head now for quite some time. Um, it serves you right. You introduced it. I did. It. it I, I will own that. That's that's on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go ahead. 
so so yeah we we um i i had a, a gathering a, a planning retreat with my christian ed and worship committees and we talked about all of the texts of advent and we decided we didn't want to hear any of the readings from the gospel of matthew particularly this sunday's as it is john the baptist i love and, john the baptist i do too and my normal response with any uncomfortable text is to lean into it but i thought that maybe this year we would do a little bit better to look for the subtle ways that peace is breaking out in our kingdom and so instead of uh instead of scaring them and then bringing them into the peace <laughs> I, I thought i would look for the shoots and branches of new growth in our congregation and that's the focus of the sermon yeah i'm avoiding all subtlety this week and <laughs> <laughs> i'm coming in swinging with john the baptist and a sledgehammer okay um, how about i i read this uh Lay, Very lay subtle John the Baptist passage. Lay it on us. <laughs> this is uh, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. What, why, why people don't feel a sense of peace after being called a brood of vipers, I'll it's, never know. It's so warm and fuzzy. What a weirdo, right? Like... Camel mm -hmm. hair and locusts and honey. <laughs> mm hmm. I, I when when I read this passage, um, the 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 first words of my sermon are, "Good morning, you brood of vipers." <laughs> yeah, uh, people take that well. I assume when you call them a brood of vipers. Yes, they they get that it's a joke and that I am trying to defuse the tension that is in the passage. Oh, you and I handle things so differently. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw gasoline on it. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh. yes. I, I'm, I'm afraid that if I stoke the anxiety too much, they won't hear anything else that I have to say. Well, so I, I sort of, the one of the things that I like to do, one of my, my favorite ways of doing things is kind of ratchet it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Ratchet it up just a little bit 
in order to then the grace is so much bigger or it feels so much bigger Uh, than that. Um, And so that's what I I plan on doing here with these passages of Isaiah and Matthew. Isaiah is peace and warm and fuzzy and the lions aren't eating the other things they normally eat. And Matthew comes in with John the Baptist yelling, you all suck Mm -hmm. and um, you're terrible. And, you know, God can use rocks if you can't get it straight. And, you know, sometimes we look at this piece in Isaiah and we think this is what we're owed. This is what we deserve. This piece is going to come one day. And we sit back and complacently wait for it. And John the Baptist comes in and says, oh, no, you have a part to play in this piece. So we, you know, we can't get to that piece without repentance. And like you were saying in regards to reconciliation, those two go hand in hand, repentance and reconciliation. Yes, they do. We cannot be truly reconciled until we repent of the sin that divides us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really where I'm going with these and that we we don't get to just sit back and get easy peace. No, we, we don't. Uh, th- there is no cheap grace, uh, as Bonhoeffer would say. But I uh, I guess I just put the drama in the reading of the word. Fair enough. And Fair and enough. and then uh, defuse the tension so that uh, people can hear the grace and the peace yeah. in yeah. in the uh, explanation. But I will say that I, I have recently had some debates with people in. Uh, I have recently had some debates with people after worship about taking some of these things literally. Now, clearly, we should be taking the call to repentance, literally. That's not a metaphor. That, that's a call to action. But the, uh, the prophetic language in Isaiah is not about a literal vision of a world with no predators, no animal predators eating one another. Uh, it's a metaphor. But... Sometimes I think people have a desire to hold on to the literal because they can take that as a message meaning that everyone else needs to change. Right, right. We want peace, but we want it to come in the form of everyone else getting their shit together first without us having to take ownership. Right. We want peace that comes from capitulation, not reconciliation. So when when you're having these conversations with folks, I'm curious how you approach it with them. If someone says, well, how do you know the difference between the metaphor that Isaiah is using and an actual call to real repentance that John the Baptist is not just giving some sort of, you know, visiony, floaty. So the 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 Presbyterian answer um, besides forming a committee to study it, <laughs> right. it is context, context, context. Yeah. Um, always start with the context of the scripture because that is going to give you your first lens to examine the text. Uh, you don't examine a psalm in the same way that you examine something in Genesis or a letter from Paul. Um, they are all different. Paul's letters are written to congregations, and 
sometimes you need to consider the entire letter before you consider a passage in that letter, because in some cases, Paul clearly states what the controversy is in the congregation that needs to be sorted through. In other letters, there is not a clear controversy. For instance, in Romans, there is not so much a clear controversy as Paul is giving them a piece of wisdom, a piece of, uh, you know, the letter to the Romans is a mixture of gospel and instruction manual. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, It's applicable to that community, but it's also generally applicable, as opposed to, say, the letters to the Corinthians, where he is picking up very specific conflicts in the church at Corinth. Yeah. And that that's actually really interesting. I hadn't thought of that until till just now that these three texts are three very different genres looking at the same topic. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is um, a prophet, a prophetic piece, which is um, rife with with metaphor and, and things like that. The, the Romans piece is a letter to a group of people. And Matthew is a narrative account of Jesus' life and times. Right. And so in Matthew, the gospel writer is, the gospel writer chooses not to present a birth narrative, but a narrative of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it starts in a fractured society with uh with some genealogies and then you've got this image of crazy john the baptist pronouncing repentance and of course he is scary he's supposed to be scary and he focuses our attention yeah and and to say that matthew opens with some genealogies is a bit (laughs) bit of an understatement (laughs) yes intentionally so quite quite an extensive genealogy in matthew Right. Uh, what, but that, what there isn't is a birth narrative. Yeah, but that genealogy in Matthew is really important because Matthew is primarily writing to Jewish folks. Right. Uh, he's a Jewish author writing to a Jewish audience. And when we go back into this Isaiah passage and we look at a shoot shall rise or shall come up from the stump of Jesse, um, that is re- referencing uh, Jesse, the father of David. And if you look at the genealogies in Matthew, it links Jesus back to David's lineage. So those those connections are all over the place. Right. And, and you know, this is I, Isaiah is is writing at a time after the northern kingdom of Israel has fallen, but uh, Judah is in a precarious position and he is saying to the people or I should say God is saying to the people through Isaiah, this is what may happen again after you return to faithfulness. Yeah. This isn't uh, this isn't a literal contract. This is not uh, God saying to Abraham, I will give you all of this territory if you just follow. But this is God saying, if you get out of your own way, this is what will happen. This is what, metaphorically, what righteousness looks like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Whew, peace. It's hard work. 
It is hard work. Peace is hard, hard work. Probably explains why 2,000 years after what happened in Matthew, we still haven't figured it out. No, this is is why we love literal interpretations of things. They're easier. They're easier. They don't call on us to change. This is why we love the Christmas Jesus best. Little baby Jesus in a manger, he can't harm anything. Right. Dear Lord baby Jesus doesn't call on us to change, but... The Jesus who follows John the Baptist surely does. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And and especially in Matthew's gospel where, uh, you know, where, where, where you know, in, in my gloss, Matthew's gospel is the gospel of Jewish ethics. And it is preachy because it Matthew's Jesus tells us to do all the things that we don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew the, the, is not holding back any punches. No, nothing, not at all. Which is not to say that the other Gospels don't. But Matthew is sort of the, uh, the here is what the ethical response is that you're not doing Gospel. Right, right. Yeah. Well, do you have anything left today to say about peace or shall we peace out? Uh, I, I've said my peace. Excellent. Uh, peace really is more than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, how about you give us a prayer? Well, I think the most appropriate prayer at this time would be the prayer that is attributed to St. Francis. I so, love St. Francis, my favorite saint. Mine too. Uh, second favorite, uh, St. Bridget. Anyone who can turn a bathtub of water into beer is okay in my book. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen. Amen. I won't get tired of that. Me either. Me either. Um, there's some beautiful musical settings for that prayer as well. Yeah, there are. There are. I wish my congregation knew them and we could sing it all the time, but I'm... Preach <laughs> into the choir. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Well, yes, you am. Per- perhaps it is time for a word of benediction. Excellent. May God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Amen. 
That's a wrap on another episode of Soft Idolatry. Our dear friends, you can email us questions or comments at any time at info at softidolatry.com. You can also go to our website to find links to Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to help support us financially, uh, you can get a link to our Patreon page there as well. Our website is www.softidolatry.com. Don't you patronize me. No, we, we want people to Patreonize us. Oh, we can, we can buy right, better right, microphones. Right. We could buy better that. microphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Alan. Oh, no. Uh, why is it getting harder and harder to buy Advent calendars as the season moves on? I, I don't know, Chris. So why is it harder and harder to buy Advent calendars as the season moves on? Because their days are numbered. Ooh. It's amazing how many Advent dad jokes there are in the world. I really love it. <laughs> you know, I, I, okay. So one of the basic principles <laughs> of language is simplicity, that as we continue to use something, we simplify, we make shorter forms. We already have a one syllable word. It's called a pun. <sighs> I guess this understanding is not upon us. Oh my God, go away. <laughs> <laughs>